there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring, a.k.a. Brother Herring, a.k.a. the Pat Riley Whisperer. Chris, it has been so long. Welcome back to Open Floor. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been what, two weeks, three weeks since we've recorded? It's, uh, it's good to be with you again. It's it's been a minute. I think most of our listeners know where you were last week, but please let those who don't know know what's up. Yeah, um I was out last week. I was very out and about last week um trying to promote my book that came out last Tuesday, which is called Blood in the Garden: The Flagrant History of the 1990s New York Knicks. It's it's been a a complete blast to be able to promote it just because I've um I'm proud of this thing, you know. Two and a half, three years ago, I started working on it. Three years ago, um, and it's finally out. I don't think you have to be a Knicks fan to enjoy the book or really like the book. Um, you know, I think the Wall Street Journal said basically you don't even have to really be a sports fan to like it. Um, but I, I tried to go really deep in terms of what the '90s were and how the Knicks really shaped what that era was, despite not being the team that ever won the whole thing. Um, I, I think it's kind of a good companion piece to the Last Dance. Um, to understand what Jordan had to go through to to be where he was and to be who he was, um, but also just I, I don't think you have today's league, or at least not as quickly as you got today's league, without those Knicks teams that you know the the league was trying to get all the way away from uh, during those years. Not to mention the personalities and you know the Starkses and the Masons and the Pat Rileys. Not to mention mm-hmm. the fact that this was a a Forrest Gump ass team. 
that was in like every scene and every picture, but not ever the focal point of the scene or the picture. They were just in all these integral, you know, moments to the nineties and, you know, history with the OJ chase and all the stuff with Jordan, um, the, the, you know, Spike Lee and, and Reggie Miller, the eight points in nine seconds, the 25 points in the fourth quarter, Spike Lee thing. So it, it, it just, I think it was a, a team that was just really fascinating in a way that we normally don't see. And I think that they're even more fascinating because they never quite won it uh, in a way that they probably wouldn't have been if they had managed to win. They're beloved, you're beloved. I was expecting to see you like on the Tonight Show. I'm not even going to lie. I was like, where is Chris Herring going to pop up next? Like, he, I think you, I've got you, you Sports Center everywhere. later tonight, which I'm, I'm hopeful Hell for yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I've got that with SVP later tonight, which is a blessing that you know I've had a chance. I know people are annoyed with me right now. You and I were just talking about that. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, just spraying my timeline with with retweets, with people posting the book. But I'm, I, I'm so grateful for just how many people have made a point to order the book to go find the book if they can't. Um, you know, if they can't wait for their order to come in, in some cases, so people have two and three copies of the book. Um, I'm just grateful. And I actually had one day last week where I was just completely overwhelmed emotionally just by how many people um, to see all the support kind of at one time with everybody getting the book at the same time was just like not something I was expecting. And uh, I, I don't take that for granted at all. I'm just really grateful for people that have shown love and shown support for kind of a you know a big moment for me in a way that I didn't necessarily expect it to be one i mean that's great to hear you deserve it you deserve everything unbelievable book everybody go pick it up but when you i have a quick question when you are saying the title of the book to people do you always say the entire title or do you just say blood in the garden i generally say the whole title because that that shit is live first of all like (laughs) so i came up with this so i'm gonna take credit for it but I initially called it Blood on the Hardwood, and and my editor and agent kind of were like, you got to change it, make it more specific to the Knicks. Uh, But I thought the subtitle is almost better than the title. And it was funny because I got a call yesterday from one of the executives from that team. They're like, I love Blood in the Garden, not just because obviously the team was physical and was actually shedding blood, but also like the infighting that happened in the organization with Riley, with Ernie Grunfeld and Van Gundy, and like people kind of came out of that gutted and got fired and you know left left the team and stuff like that so there was literal bloodshed from a management standpoint too it was like kind of a double entendre from that standpoint not to mention that when you talk about the flagrant history you're talking about a team that had more flagrant fouls than anybody that was rougher than anybody in the 90s so it (laughs) it's full of double entendres um but you know i'm proud of the whole title so you're gonna get this whole title even if blood in the garden would be the easier way to promote it you're getting this whole title it's a great title, the whole thing, Blood in the Garden. Uh, tremendous work by you, my guy. Um, Thank you so congratulations much. Congratulations once again. Uh, okay, Chris. So on today's show, we have a whole bunch of emails to get to. And uh, before we dig in, a quick reminder to all of our wonderful listeners to please keep your questions coming in. They've been so fantastic. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com feel free to send chris questions about the book or send uh you know autograph requests we'll take those as well um all right chris so i actually wanted to start today's show with a discussion about the the brooklyn nets um a team that 
I pretty much bet my life on to win the 2021-2022 NBA title, and I am <laughs> I am feeling weary about that uh, <laughs> prediction, that deal with the devil. Um, earlier this week, friend of the pod, Jake Fisher, published a story in Bleacher Report about James Harden's future in Brooklyn, in which he in which he reported that. Harden is open to exploring different opportunities as a free agent this summer. Uh, Harden did a non-denial denial after Tuesday night's loss against the Lakers, um, a game in which Brooklyn's other four starters were Patty Mills, Dayron Sharp, DeAndre Bembry, and Kessler Edwards. Uh, there are rumblings that some Nets are not happy with Steve Nash's rotations and his lineup decisions. And, you know, despite this team being really close to first place somehow it's starting to feel uh just like misaligned or cursed or i don't know what the right word is but you throw in Kyrie's vaccination status you throw in kevin durant's sprained knee joe harris's ankle rehab that is just not going well and it just feels very muddy and we'll go deep into these specifics in a moment but big picture chris just how are you feeling about the Nets right now? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because there's a bunch of teams that you could look at standings-wise. Maybe not a bunch, but there's a few that you look at standings-wise. And you're like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. You know, I think the Bulls have to be on that list, too, where even if they're dealing with something at the moment, you're like, there's nothing to worry about. But there is kind of a sense that it could kind of come apart quickly and the Nets were always a team that, that, granted, they added depth and they added some real talent to that roster in the offseason, which is why I think you were so bullish on them to begin with. Um, so -hmm. they were not as thin as they were last year, but it doesn't take that much to get really thin all of a sudden when one of your best players is only playing in half the games. And I mean, that's an improvement from 0% of the games earlier in the season. Um, it, I mean, Joe Harris was a big part of what they do. Kevin Durant, you know, is a top, two three player in the league at worst uh so Mm -hmm. having those guys out for extended time and then to have questions swirling around the one guy that you know to this point had been uh, had been solidifying because he had not he did not have a good start to a season in Harden but um to now have new questions about that it's like dog do y'all have anything that's not like falling apart or like weird at the moment and (laughs) I don't know that the answer is yes it it feels kind of like the answer is no uh so it's hard to feel real good about it. But then you look at the standings and you're like, they're not going away. They're going to be there. They're probably a team that isn't that concerned about seeding. Hell, like they might be better off with given the Kyrie situation if they're not the one seed anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not it's not a problem yet, but it, it, it's starting to feel like, okay, one more thing kind of falls off you know, by the wayside and it, you start to feel pretty worried because it's not a good situation right now with Brooklyn. I mean, it's just the reality. It's it's not a good situation. It's a, it's a it's an interesting one in a bad way for them. Um and I'm curious Chris like if you were Sean Marks like I'm sure he I, like he definitely is aware wasn't blindsided I would imagine by the reports um the report that came out that Fisher reported with with uh with Harden um the other day earlier this week, you know, I was hearing rumors about Harden not being happy for a while. I'm sure you were hearing similar things. Uh, but if you were Sean Marks, just like, how are you feeling right now knowing that, you know, you traded so much to get this guy. 
you sign Durant and Irving a couple off seasons ago, and it was this massive coup for the organization. And this time last year, it just felt like a, a, a brewing, like super team dynasty, this like Colossus. And, you know, it could just crumble like real quick. And the things like things in the NBA are just so unforgiving. And like, if, if Harden just decides to bounce after this season, I, I, I'm like the ripple effect could be catastrophic, honestly, for this organization. So just like what, if you were Sean Marks, just how are you even like feeling about the possibility of Harden not re-signing with your organization? I mean, let's be real here. Um, we knew what it was. <laughs> Always. We, we, knew, we knew what it was when when Harden – well, let me take that back. When, when KD and Irving joined Brooklyn because they did it kind of as a package deal. We saw them kikiing in the, you know, in the, in the tunnel um, a couple years ago at the all-star game and then got the angry denials. Like can't two friends just be friends without y'all making something out of it. And then they joined the same team, you know, after they've been rumored to want to go to the Knicks, they go to the other team in town. We knew that they were tight. So it's one thing for KD to potentially have tolerance for the stuff that Irving has kind of done this. Let me not even beat around the bush. Not stuff. The 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 vaccination issue. It's it's one thing right. if KD says he's not going to badmouth that and not going to take issue with it because Kyrie's his boy. It's asking more of Harden to do that when Harden is not necessarily boys with this with this dude. Um, you know, when when they have more work to do because this is someone that, you know, for whatever his reasons are, you want to call him an anti-vaxxer, if you want to say that it's, you know, power to the people. Because, you know, he's looking out for the every man. I don't give a damn what you're saying. It, like I said, when I wrote a column about Kyrie much earlier in the season, okay, you can boil this down to whatever you want to, but it also does come down to his team and the fact that his team is a contending team that is without a top 15, 20 player in this league because Kyrie is choosing not to be vaccinated. So ultimately that puts more wear and tear on Harden. It puts more wear and tear on KD. It puts more pressure on those guys to perform. Um, and, you know, even now, Kyrie at best is playing half the games. Um, so I, I don't blame Harden if that's kind of his feeling because he didn't necessarily sign there because he was such close friends with those guys. He signed there, or not signed there, he, he, he wanted to be traded there because it was the best chance to win a title. Maybe he has a relationship with yeah. KD. Maybe. It wasn't about Kyrie and his friendship with Kyrie, I don't think. So I don't blame him for feeling that way, you know, and if you're Sean Marks, I don't really know what the answer is. Like part of me feels like you just have to go for it and try to win this title and hope that that kind of solidifies whatever feeling Harden is having. I mean, the thing that Jake had in his story is that it doesn't mean that Harden's out. It means that like it's not a a, a slam dunk for him to come back. I I think he's still going to consider Brooklyn at the end of the day. It's going to be hard for him to find a situation that's more competitive than the one that he's in, but he might just be tired of dealing with the BS, quite frankly. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a weird situation that frankly, if the virus doesn't go away and the mandates don't change with it, that you know, th- this could be something that happens next season too. Like, who wants to sign up for that? So and, and Harden's going to have options. He's never fundamentally been just a free agent um that I know of maybe he has but it, it seems like he's always he been locked into he place hasn't. with the situation so like I don't blame dude for wanting to test his options and like <laughs> to some extent Kyrie has had a couple scenarios in a row now I mean dating back to the end of his time with Cleveland 
Boston, where he says, if, 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 you'll, if you'll have me, I'm, I'm here for the rest of my life. And then, you know, two, two months later with the SpongeBob meme. <laughs> Like, what What are you supposed to say? Like, it, it looks bad at a certain point. And I think there is a larger conversation to be had about Kyrie. And, like, if we want to call it kind of a flimsiness to what he does or what he says, there is that here. And I don't blame Harden for potentially not wanting to be part of that. So, you, of course, you have to consider everything. But, oh, sorry. Um, what I was going to say, sorry, three, I, I don't think they're going to trade Harden. Unless was requesting a trade away from a team that was in first place that had a good chance to win a title, which is what he did when he was with Cleveland. So I want to get into Kyrie in a second, and I have a couple questions about his situation with the team going forward. But the other team that Harden, you know, you said it would be tough for Harden to leave because um, finding another competitive situation is difficult. There's obviously the Sixers, and they are uh, very good despite not having Ben Simmons this season. They're third in net rating in January. Joel Embiid, still not, in my opinion, on Jokic's level, but, but Jokic damn. is like one of the greatest players like ever, <laughs> it looks like. So yeah. that's not a, an insult at all. Um, but Embiid is incredible. Like the, the stretch that Embiid is on right now is just the he's playing the best basketball of his career. He's an absolute monster. If Jokic didn't exist, uh, Embiid would probably be... Uh, I don't know if he's a runaway, but he would be the favorite, I think. Odds on favorite. There's a few other candidates, but like Giannis, but Embiid probably would win his first MVP this season, I think. I think he was my um, pick before the season, too. Was he? I can't remember anymore. Somebody's... Just take credit. Take credit, man. Yeah, sure. He nah, was your pick. If I'm lying, somebody's going to pull receipts and be like, uh, old takes exposed or something. I don't want Chris, the, I don't want the smoke. Chris, my pick was Trey Young. So I, you know, just, just you know, say you picked Embiid and you're good. You're golden. Um, you're a lot smarter than I am. Um, okay. So, like, do, I guess, like, I'm just going to ask you, do you think he's going to – do you think Harden is going to be on the Nets next season? Or do you think Harden is going to be on the Sixers next season? Because there's, like, all these connections, obviously, that have been talked about ad nauseum with Harden and Philadelphia, Daryl Morey, uh, Tad Brown, um, Michael Rubin. He has a, a relationship with the, the minority owner for the Sixers. And you would think that if you're Harden, you look around and you're like, I trust Morey. I've had a lot of success with Morey. I was empowered like no other in Houston. I could do whatever I wanted. I don't know if he can still do whatever he wants in Brooklyn. Um but it seems like that situation, plus, you know, playing with uh, Embiid is just a little bit different than playing with um, uh, with Kyrie and with KD in the style that, that Harden likes to play. And uh, so do, do you think he would be – do you think he will be in Philadelphia next season or do you think he will be ultimately um, still in Brooklyn? I kind of still think he'll be in Brooklyn, but I'm also kind of one of those, I have to see it to believe it that it's happening with regards to the trade stuff. I know the conversations are there. I know I, I trust fully that it's something that Harden's considering, given that he kind of gave the non-answer. But um, I, I maybe I just have to see him, similar to me having to see him in a Brooklyn uniform before he left Houston. You know, just mm-hmm. for some reason, it's like that's a big hurdle for me to get over. Also, man... And look, like obviously, if Harden really wants out um, and makes that known, 
then you know he'll find a way to get somewhere else. But the idea of Harden potentially ending up in Philly, and by you know that meaning essentially that Simmons is going to end up with Brooklyn. So my fundamental question about all of it is like, so if you're trading Harden there to to Philly, I guess it means that Simmons is coming to the Nets, which he fits fundamentally next to guys like Kyrie and KD. But part of me thinks like if, if Kyrie is there and you always imagine something's going to come up with him and then Simmons just kind of has had the year he's had with the Sixers, so a lot of stuff to have in your locker room. I mean, obviously Simmons is fundamentally different than Kyrie, but it's still kind of like if something goes wrong or if they have a bad playoff flame out and Simmons is a big part of that. I do kind of start to wonder if you've got a lot of stuff on Katie's shoulders just from, you know, kind of the personalities he has in that locker room. I don't know. It on court wise, it it fits because it makes their defense better. Um, it gives them better passing in their offense. Or maybe not better because Harden's a great passer, but I, I, I could be convinced mm-hmm. of it working, but I just wonder that on some level, like you've definitely got some egos and some stuff going on in that locker room that are just kind of weird, maybe beyond what you already have, quite frankly. It would be odd, and I do think the Nets could still win the title. I also think that the Nets would be potentially building uh, and helping create a really good team in Philadelphia they they could beat them in a playoff series and that would be problematic so you know for this to all happen I think the Nets would have to there's a lot of different permutations here that we don't need to get into but the Nets would probably have to agree to a sign and trade with Harden and it just gets really complicated but I want to talk real quick about Kyrie because his situation is I think more immediate and in terms of being a dilemma for the Nets like he, he's come back, obviously, he came back a few weeks ago against the Pacers, uh, only playing on the road. He's only played seven games, I think. Uh, and he's looked terrific. Like, he just looks, he's finishing at the basket. He looked. He, he just looks like there was no time off at all with him. Um, I know. His numbers are ridiculous. And it has me wondering, like, if you're the Nets, so Kyrie has Kyrie's contract situation is essentially that he has a $36.9 million player option for next season. And obviously he can opt out of that and enter free agency, sign wherever he wants, or he could opt in, in which case you're paying this guy $37 million to look, I, I don't know what the situation is going to be with the vaccine mandate. I don't think it's going anywhere for the foreseeable future in mm-hmm. New York city. So, I have I have no idea what the appetite would be if the Nets do not win the title this year to bring Kyrie back or have the the, the chance of paying Kyrie to play fifty percent of the season. I don't, especially if things go real bad in the playoffs because of his his uh, uh, refusal to take the vaccine. So my question is just like, do you try to circumvent that, knowing that his trade value is actually, I would say it's decent given how well he's played all things considered knowing that he has the contract situation and he can become an unrestricted free agent. But like, if you're the nets, how aggressively do you shop him like right now? Oh, Ben, I would have been shopped him. Like, I think we, I don't know if we talked about that on the pod. I remember I was begging us to not have to talk about months ago, Kyrie and and (laughs) Ben Simmons, because I'm like, please, this is going to be an issue for months. Um, 
with Kyrie though, his is, I mean, his is like a fundamental principle for him, uh, which like you've got Brad Beal, who's essentially said the same thing. You had Wiggins that would have said the same thing if he wasn't playing in San Francisco where the same thing is in place. So, I mean, you have players that aren't going to take the vaccine that, that you could solve that by just being in a different market. Um, so, yeah, I mean, part of me feels like you could trade him. Now, my question about it before was like, is Durant going to have a problem with this? And if so, does that create different problems for you? Because he's the one guy that I, I imagine you don't want leaving under any circumstances for any reason, even if it's over something like this, where, you know, if you're the Nets, I think most people can understand why you don't really want to kowtow to someone making $40 million and paying them the full $40 million for playing half the games. But if Durant says, you, I'm, I'm going to flip out if you trade Kyrie, what are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't let all three of the guys walk out over the same issue. Um, you know, Harden, I think you could lose. Um, and now you're not excited about losing someone of his caliber, but uh, you don't feel that way about KD. I, I just don't think there's any circumstance in which you let that happen. So you probably have that conversation with him, but um, I don't know where he stands on that. So would you feel great about giving Kyrie a four or five year contract no. this offseason? If he's no. like, that's what no. I want. <laughs> no. Uh, would you? I would, would Kyrie? Absolutely I mean, not. He, he probably Absolutely would feel great not. about it, but I mean, like, would anyone? I No. I, I mean, even in another market, even if it's not the question about the vaccine, like the idea of whether Kyrie just kind of wears out his welcome within two, three years of any place um, is also a question that you have to ask with him being one of the leaders of your team. Uh, I think you absolutely have to ask that. So I don't know. I, I legitimately don't know. But again, like if you're putting that in uh, Katie's hands to some extent to say, like, what do you feel about this? I, I'd be very interested to hear his answer. I would too. You would need truth serum. I also think that if you gave uh, Kyrie a long-term contract, you could, you know, to be cynical about it, you could pull a Blake Griffin and just trade him as soon as possible on the contract, knowing that there's a little bit more value. But then again, like Kyrie could retire. Like you just, just, it's just like such a mess, such a thorny situation. And I don't know how they're going to navigate it. My last question for you, Chris, about the nets before we move on is just over under uh, 0.5 championships for Brooklyn over the next five years. Are you going over or are you going under? Under. Under. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because we think about all the stuff we just discussed about what we don't know about them. Like, you know, and it's putting a lot on Katie's shoulders. And remember, when we did the, you know, the top 100 for the guys uh, in the league right now, I was the only one that didn't take Katie. And it was it was strictly a health question. Um, and that was before we knew that he was going to have to carry a lot of weight on his shoulders potentially this year because of the stuff with Kyrie, because Harden was going to struggle at the beginning of the season. Uh, it, you know, I, I think it's a relevant question. And even if KD can carry them on his back for a season, a postseason, do you want him to have to do that as he starts to get older? He's not a young guy anymore. So I don't want to go off on a tangent or divert uh, from our scheduled outline, but I'm just curious because you brought up the top 100 and your uh, steadfast belief in Giannis was really smart um, and prescient. Um, if you had to, if we were doing that right now, who would be number one for you on the top 100? 
Um, I'd probably still take Giannis. I mean, I would be a lot more open to considering Jokic to number one, which I don't think really any yes. of us did. Um, I think you have I, to be open yes. to that. Jokic would Jokic. Like Jokic. he was what? What was he Jokic in our range? My number one. Four was he five? I can't remember where he was. Was he six? Fourth or fifth? Fourth? Yeah, I hope he wasn't six. I, I hope he wasn't Fourth either. Or fifth, I, think. I think he was, but like I think we probably had LeBron three, and then Jokic was probably Yikes. four. You're, you're yeah. probably right. So like, yeah, I mean Jokic probably needs to be number two in that conversation. Uh, you know, and and KD again. Well, Jokic needs to be either two or three, but I think that. Um, KD, it's you could make the argument always that he's number one if he's healthy, but I just kind of had the question of like whether we can rely on that at this point in his career. Yeah, very, and it's proven accurate. Uh, he's hurt, and you know, tough situation. I think I'd go Jokic for the record. In yep. no disrespect, would not else blame you at all. Awesome. It's hard to disagree. Hard to. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, let's open up the mailbag, Chris. We have uh, an email from Nick who writes, Since the blockbuster Jimmy Butler trade, Zach Levine has simply gotten better and better. In his first few years in Chicago, we were told that he was not good enough. Then, when he was good enough, it was down to the fact that he was an empty calorie scorer and that the Bulls, quote, weren't a winning organization. Now the Bulls are winning. And this still does not seem to be enough for a man who has proven himself to be one of the most efficient shooters in the NBA. In your latest podcast, Michael was surprised to hear Rohan suggest Levine should make the all-star team. Despite the Bulls finally having a winning organization and Levine continuing to have a stellar season, Levine's name is still being disrespected. So what gives? 
Why does Zach Levine seem to be treated with a little disrespect in comparison to other stars? Why does he not benefit from the same caveats as other middle-tier stars like Devin Booker and Trey Young? At some point, the league needs to wake up and recognize that this man is an all-NBA star and can bring a ring back to Chicago. Keep up the great work. I love the pod. Uh, Thank you, Nick, for this email. I just want to clarify very quickly that I was not surprised that Rohan had uh, Zach Levine on his team. Rohan threw out Zach Levine's name as a starter, and that made me raise my eyebrows a little bit. But uh, today on the site, on SI.com, which everyone can go check out, I published my Eastern Conference All-Star picks, and Zach Levine was on my team. So I am not disrespecting Zach Levine. (laughs) I think he's a wonderful player, having a wonderful season. Just want to uh, make sure that is clear. Um, Do you feel – I want to talk about the Bulls. Uh, Use this question to kind of springboard into a conversation real quick about the Bulls. Um, cause they're backsliding a little bit right now with so many injuries, but do you feel like Levine doesn't get the same recognition as other guys, uh, you know, like Devin Booker, like Trey Young, um, obviously he's never played in the postseason. I think that is the number one reason yeah. for any disrespect or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, like, but do you, do you, do you kind of feel the sentiment of, of Nick and what he's kind of trying to express? Here? I, I, I think he's, he's spot on not, not in terms of what you were saying about, the way you viewed him, but I think in terms of, I mean, I think he belongs in that same list. And I had a, a preseason story kind of saying that I thought the bulls would be really good this year. And the, um, we, we did a daily cover for it at SI. And I think it said, um, I think it said the Suns, the Hawks, why not the bulls was the headline on it, or at least the, the cover art. So, I mean, I, I literally make the argument and I asked Arturis Karnasovas from the bulls, um, is that the hope that you guys are going to be kind of the next team in that list of teams that kind of goes in uh, and makes a big move or a couple of big moves and then tries to springboard, uh, you know, in one season because you have the guy that you want to build around and now you've built something substantial around him and try to make that work. And he essentially said, yeah, of course that made us more hungry to try to, you know, make it work quickly. Um, And the only thing that was missing from those guys' resumes, really, they're wonderful scorers. Uh, you know, wonderful playmakers, you know, efficient players, uh, you know, as far as getting to the line, Devin Booker just being a monster mm-hmm. for mid-range. Uh, Zach Levine has been great, for, well, very good for years. Um, he was really efficient last year. as an all-star last year. So he already had that validation. But the Bulls had the worst record in the league over the last four years prior to this one. So, you know, when I wrote that story, there were people complaining you said Zach Levine's not a superstar. Like, shame on you. You can't be a superstar and your team is in last place over the last four years. Like, you have maybe, keep in mind, you have maybe seven or eight superstars in the whole league. You know, seven or eight. Yep. So it's not being merely an all-star. It's not even being an all-NBA guy, necessarily. Like, you have five or six guys that no matter what team you put them on can drag their team to the playoffs. And Levine, to this point, has not shown to be able to do that. He's still not doing that. I mean, he's on a team now where he's got essentially an equal, maybe even a guy that's that's done a little bit more than he has this year and, and DeRozan. Uh, but he's a fine player. He's a very, very good player. And he is going to probably get his props this year when they make a playoff appearance. And, you know, a guy that has been averaging 25, 26 a game for the last couple of years on really good efficiency. So, uh, yeah, we, I think we always tend to overlook those guys or say that it's empty calories until they win. And then all of a sudden, even when some of their tendencies are still bad, like Trey Young has played some horrendous defenses here, so he still has a lot yes. of those flaws. But 
nobody calls them empty calories anymore because they almost made it to the finals last year. So, I mean, it, it literally can be something that changes over the course of one year, even if it's not necessarily sustainable. The Hawks may not even make the playoffs this year, but I think the narrative has already changed on Trey Young just based on the one really, really great year that his team had. And I think the Bulls are in the midst of that right now, doing that for Levine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, DeRozan's had a better year than Levine, and I think you'd agree that he's more deserving of a starter spot on the All Star team as one of the as one of the backcourt um, candidates. And the Bulls, you know, when DeRozan's on the floor without Levine, they see like no drop off offensively, and they're still really good. They have a a pretty good net rating regardless. When Levine's been on the floor, I know these are all messy. When Levine's been on the floor without DeRozan, they're just bad. And so I'm not saying that's an indictment of Levine, but that's what the numbers say so far this season. And, uh, you know, they're very similar players beyond, obviously, Levine's penchant to just, you know, rise up from 30 feet and drill ridiculously difficult shots um, multiple times per game where DeRozan is primarily functioning in the mid-range. And Levine also does a really good job getting to the basket, and he's shooting like 70% at the rim this season, which is like absurd for someone at his position. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I don't want this to feel like we're uh, not thinking that Levine's good. I want to see him in the playoffs. I want to see him do things in the playoffs. I think he can. It's just a matter of being on the right team um, and having the right supporting cast. And that brings me to what's going on in Chicago with you have Lonzo Ball out for six to eight weeks, I believe. Obviously, Patrick Williams has been out for like this whole season with a wrist injury. Alex Caruso is out with a wrist injury after Grayson Allen's flagrant foul. Uh, who am I missing here? I feel like there's others. Who Derek Jones out, Jr. is still out, um, too. Um, yes, yes. Got a couple yes, guys. Derek Basically, Jones anybody Jr. that can guard anybody is out for that team. Yes, and I mean, you look at, I know these are, some of these are more recent, but you look at this team's performance in January, they're six and seven, uh, 23rd defense in the NBA over that stretch. Just, it's been, it's been tough for Chicago, uh, 18th in offense and uh, a net rating of minus 3.8. And, you know, Vucevic has not been super uh you know honestly there's you not i'm not good. saying you could just say it he hasn't even been he's, good he's he's not been good and even like you know i'm just gonna say like wendell carter might be having a better season yep. it's it's like close i don't I, I, maybe i shouldn't go there but it's 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 interesting to compare those two right now hmm. um and wonder, you know, about that trade and the draft picks and everything. I'm not saying the Bulls shouldn't have made it, but I guess like how how concerned should the Bulls be right now? Do you see them sliding in the standings? I think they're still like right up there for second, third place um, with Miami and with Brooklyn. But could you see them sliding? You know, the crazy thing, man, uh, it, it's I think all the teams, the top five teams in the East are all separated by like two and a half games. Uh, it's very, right. I mean, like from Cleveland to Miami and, and, you know, in between Philly, they're all within two and a half games, which is a little bit scary if you're a team like the Bulls, because they're kind of primed. They look like a very clear candidate to like be bad for a while. Um, they've, they've lost their two best defenders, but even beyond the best ones, they've lost all their key wing defenders. I think maybe Javante Green is still there. 
Um, and that's about it. They, I think they just got him back from either COVID or an injury or something like that. Yes. So, um, you know, my best friends are, are diehard Bulls fans and they're like, oh, they're going to be fine. I'm like, based on what? Even when they had that nine game winning streak last month, <laughs> they uh, or this earlier this month, they were not very good on defense during that stretch. And that was before they had lost Lonzo Ball. It was when they were expecting to get Caruso back. And then they got Caruso back for like two games. And then this happens. So uh, I'm not expecting them to be very good defensively for this stretch. Um, will they fall out of the playoff race? No. Do I expect them to be good with it just being Levine and DeRozan? And, you know, you're hoping that Vooch can find a stroke at some point. I I don't like the idea of this team just trying to outscore teams for the next month and a half, two months. I just don't. Um, I'm sure they'll still make the playoffs. I don't know what seed they'll be. And I do think it kind of matters for a team like this that hasn't been in the playoffs before. Um, you just mentioned Levine. We don't really know how he's going to, you know, adjust and react to that. Um, it's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. you've still got young guys on this team who haven't been there. So I am curious. Um, they clearly needed, and now it's interesting because before I would have said you have to go all in because you're a one seed midway through the season. Um, now I don't know how I feel about that as far as how much do you give up to try to make a jump. You know, before I would have said mm-hmm. go all out to get like a Harrison Barnes or, you know, it seems like Jeremy Grant is being very targeted about where he wants to be sent, but go all out for those guys. If you have to trade Patrick Williams to do it, you know, you have to kind of swallow hard and do it is the way I felt before. Now I don't know that. Like if you're if you're squeaking into the playoffs, I don't know that I feel that way. If you're making it as like a top two seed, I think you have to do that because you might not ever have a better shot than now. But the challenge is I don't know that getting somebody like a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes, like it doesn't make them a favorite over any of the teams that are right there at the top. Like I would still take no. Milwaukee. If Brooklyn's healthy and they've got two and a half guys, meaning, you know, Kyrie is playing on the road, I would take Brooklyn. And really with the Heat and how un- shorthanded they've been this year and how good they've looked, I would take them. So I, that's the difficult thing is like you could make a trade. You probably should make a trade just because you never know when you'll get this opportunity again. But I don't know who it makes them a favorite over, even if they do swing a trade like that. And I don't think they have the, the firepower to go out and get someone more high level than that either. I guess they just have to clone Io DeSumo, who's... <laughs> Like, I love him so much. I can't believe that he was a second round pick. It's, it befuddles me. I don't, like, I don't watch college basketball really, but I'm just like, how did every team in the league plus? It's like first team All American, I think, too. Multiple times. Was a star scorer there. Incredible. Like, he's done all the stuff that he (laughs) wasn't able to do at the college level. He's just been like a beast defensively. He's high energy. He's perfect for that team. And I love that he's, he plays with a ton of high energy seemingly because he knows that's his way to stay on the floor. Like they don't really need him to score a whole lot with who they've got on this team. Uh, I love it. I, I love the way he plays. Yeah. I was watching the, they barely beat the thunder the other night and, uh, only because uh, of him. who he was going like toe to toe with SGA and then he fouled out and like the bulls just fell apart and it was just like, yikes, this is not, a good sign if you are the Chicago Bulls right now, depending so much on a 22-year-old rookie. That's where they're at right now. Then team. That is where they're at right now. Um, Okay, let's let's move on uh, to this really interesting email from Dan. 
who writes, is there a trade construction for the Nuggets and the Celtics to swap Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., plus maybe some picks, for Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart? The Nuggets have an MVP and should be in win-now mode. Brown and Smart seem to be a clean fit in Denver. The Celtics, on the other hand, are not contenders and can wait for Murray and MPJ to get healthy. They desperately need a guard-slash-player who can create for his teammates, and Jamal is definitely an upgrade in playmaking for them. What do you think? Uh, Really interesting email, Dan. Um, I don't think this will ever happen, and I don't think either team would say yes, but... It's actually just like an incredible fake theoretical trade idea yep. for all the reasons that Dan outlines. Like, what do you think about this, Chris? No, no, no. I was actually going to kind of tennis strike this back in your direction because I know the the outcome of this would matter <laughs> a lot more to you than me. But I loved the concept <laughs> of it. I, I, I was kind of with you where I don't know that either team does it. Um Right. I, I I think Denver probably just believes in their ability to rehab those guys and bring them back. And, you know, it's not to say you ever want to waste a year of someone's run, but what can you really do? Like, those are your guys. Um, you definitely trust in Jamal Murray. You've seen that concept play out and work already. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you want to replace that and get someone that's not a, a guard, really. I mean, obviously, Jalen Brown can play their wing position. But, like, you've got a point guard already and now you're kind of just replacing that uh marcus smart would be great to have but i don't know i don't know that i'm doing that if i'm denver and if i'm boston i don't know that you're ruling yourself out so much as a contender and saying well let's just do something else here unless you're just really ready to move on from Jalen. i don't know that you do that trade either uh because you don't know that like michael porter's back could always be a problem you know it's a little bit early to say that, but that was a concern and why he dropped in the draft boards before. So now that he's actually having real problems with it, I I don't know that you can just automatically assume that these guys are going to be healthy for the rest of their careers. Yeah, I mean, Michael Porter's back is for sure a red flag. His contract, which is humongous, I, I would not want any part of that if I was, you know, any other team in the league, not saying he can't come back and be terrific. Um. It's just it is it's just fascinating because the fits are pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Like I think anyone can play with Jokic. So you put, I mean, just imagining Jalen Brown um, and Marcus Smart with like Aaron Gordon and Jokic and Will Barton. Like that is a that's a lineup right there. That I don't know who's messing with that lineup. That's that is ridiculous in the playoffs, especially in that type of environment. Um, but you go to the Celtics and then it's basically, yeah, we're just going to punt on this year. We're going to hope that Jamal Murray is really good and back to what he used to be. Um, kind of without Jokic, though, which is interesting. And like how much does MPJ and how much does Jamal Murray complement um, and enhance Jason Tatum is another question you have to ask yourself. Or And I, I kind of agree with uh, Dan's point about Jamal Murray being a better playmaker, of course, than either of those guys. But I don't know. It's just it's a fascinating one. It'll never happen. Um, but it is it's really interesting to think about. So I just wanted to read that email from yeah, Dan. I love Thank you so much for writing that one in. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's have, uh, you know, I have, I have a kind of a jokey question for you in a minute. Um, in Chris, but I want, I have a a last, uh, uh, email that I want to get to. Um, and it comes in from Stavros who writes, uh, let's play start bench cut, cut. You're starting a franchise from scratch and you need someone to anchor your defense. Your options are Draymond Green, Hakeem Olajuwon, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Tim Duncan. Good lord! Uh, there is no wrong answer here for anything. Thank goodness. Got to be not. clear there. Good lord! Um, I uh, do you want to give yours your your start bench cut cut? Not really, but I will. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's an extremely difficult question, um, and I don't even feel good about the rankings that I've got. So I'll start Hakeem. Um, my guy, oh, okay. my guy okay. on the bench will be Draymond, and I'm gonna like really just grit and <laughs> and like grimace and cut Giannis, and then I'm gonna cut Tim Duncan. But w- what on earth? That is such a hard question. So I'm starting Tim Duncan. Wow. I'm be- wow. I'm benching. Timmy D, baby, just the defensive anchor for. I mean, look at those defensive ratings for those Spurs teams. I mean, some of the best in history, right? I know, I know. Um, and I do think that in today's game, he'd be he'd be okay. I I don't, you know, you're not switching everything, but he'd be he'd be perfectly fine and an incredible rim protector, incredible defender. Who was your first guy off the bench? So I like him. I got Hakeem coming off the bench. Okay, and. I actually was watching. I wanted to watch some footage, some highlights, some defensive highlights of him uh, before I made that decision because Draymond and Giannis were obviously so fresh in my mind. 
Uh, and yeah, he's, he, I mean, what do you got to say about Hakeem? So much of his defensive um, strengths were post-defense as a player. And that's kind of a little bit irrelevant now. But he was nimble as I mean, hell, though. Athletically, man. yeah, he'd be fine. In I mean, he, game. he, oh, he killed any chance the Knicks had of winning a championship in game six. Obviously, I've known that era now. Um, look at the play that he blocks John Starks in the last play of the game, how far he travels to block the <laughs> shot and essentially get a fingernail on the shot. But he just knew he had the instincts to just leave Patrick Ewing alone in the middle of the lane to go chase Starks because he knew Vernon Maxwell wasn't going to get there. And uh, I mean, he has to run, race 15, 20 feet over. It makes no sense how far he travels and still gets a fingernail on the block uh, on the ball. And it changes the trajectory of the game, the shot, the series. They win the series. That dude was a beast. And he was a two-time defensive player of the year in a year where he won MVP. He's one of, I think, three guys to do that for. Maybe with Giannis now, Michael, him, Giannis. I think it's just the three of them, maybe. I think it's just the three, yeah. Because yeah. Embiid, I remember Embiid saying he wanted to do it yeah. and join Hakeem and MJ. Okay, Chris, so I want to end today's show now um, with a question that has little to do with basketball, depending on what your answer is, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I know you did an event that we actually posted on our feed, um, the open floor feed with... Uh, a book event with Spike Lee, acclaimed director, Oscar winner, um, icon, uh, one of my favorite people in entertainment, uh, period. And I have a quick question for you. Just what is your favorite Spike Lee movie? That's a harder question than the one about the Nuggets and the Celtics in that <laughs> trade. Um I- so my favorite one to watch, just like that I'm completely transfixed by when I have it on my screen, is Malcolm X. But the best one that I would just have to give total props to and say like it might be a flawless movie is Do the Right Thing. Um, that, These that, are correct answers. Congratulations. Uh, you passed. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving you one more, too, just because I don't care. I'm giving you three. Um the one that doesn't get talked about enough for how effing good it is is 25th Hour. It's an incredible yes, movie. That's a very it is good such movie. a good movie. And it's like uh, the ending of it stays with me to this day. Like I can picture it in my head and hear the lines in my head. Um, it's just such a brilliant movie. I love it. But anyway, what would yours be? What, what would your, your movie be? Or if you've got a list like me? Um... That's a, I mean, I go where you go here with uh, like Malcolm X's his most impressive movie, I think, and Do the Right Thing is his best movie. I would say that's that's how I would hmm. go with it. Um, I mean, he'll be remembered for Do the Right Thing above all else when he's long gone. That's just like an, that I, movie holds up so effing well for how long ago that was made. Yeah. It's scary how like relevant it is today it's perfect the first rated r movie i ever snuck into was he got game so that holds a special <laughs> place in my heart <laughs> that recruitment scene my god your your virgin ears and eyes <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to I wanted, I wanted to bring it back to um you basically becoming spike lee's best friend over you know the past few weeks and how insanely jealous I am of that and 
called you Brother Herring at the top because I like basically dropped my phone in a cup of water when I was scrolling through Instagram and saw Spike Lee, his post, just like, I was like, wait a minute. You had a usual suspects moment when you saw Spike Lee post. I was like, my, what is my um, yeah, copy of my, my book? My brain just got so frazzled. Kaiser Soze. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> what? What is going on right now? Yeah. Um, are we, is he talking about the same yeah. Chris Herring? Like, is there another one? This is incredible. What? I can't even imagine how that was for you. Um, let alone to sit in the same yeah. room across from him and have a conversation for an hour. Like, incredible stuff. So. Yeah, no, he took me. He took me to a Knicks game. Sat courtside with him. Uh, I know we. I mean, just like we. I don't know if you. Incredible. I, I was commenting um, in our text thread that I know that you mute, which I've muted as well because I don't like Rohan anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it gets to be a bit much. I look up and I've got sixty-three text messages when I normally have like one or two. And I'm like, okay, it's like my bat signal to the fact that like avoid this group chat at all costs, basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, is that is that Chris Herring or is that Dame Dash? I thought, I swear to God, I thought it was Dame Dash. Ah! I was like, um, incredible stuff. <laughs> but it was Chris Herring, brother. Oh, Herring. Man. Um, okay, yeah. so I think that that's a wonderful. That is still really crazy to me. <laughs> it is very crazy. I think that's a wonderful place for us to end today's show. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you so much to Shelby, our wonderful producer. Um, Everyone, please keep the emails coming. They've been so tremendous. Openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Everyone, please stay safe. Everyone, please buy Chris's book. Everyone, please continue to enjoy the NBA season. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.